And welcome back to episode 11 of Oh No No No, the Rafe Rovers podcast. I'm your host today, Robbie Weir. Duncan Cameron's absent, um, so I'll be taking the reins for today. Um, and I'm joined for this podcast, firstly, by a man who asks more questions of players than Aidan Connolly. We've got Mr John Greer. How are you doing, John? I'm good, thanks. Good. Nice to be on the and it was good to see you um, yesterday at the start of the game with a few of the others from the podcast uh, at the South Stand. Uh, met up for a, a cup of tea. Um, secondly, we've got uh, Tune in from Holland to keep us right via Rafe TV. We've got Mr Scott Fleming. How are you doing, Scott? Hi, all good. Cheers. That's great. We've got a Flyers regular who is as cool as Callum Smith when he's one-on-one with a goalkeeper. We've got Mr Blair Hopcroft. That's a lie, but I'll take it. Thanks. Nah, we'll give you it. We'll give you it. And then finally, the man who knew about Ange Postacoglu before it was cool, we've got Leslie Maven. How are you doing, Leslie? It's a beautiful day, my beautiful friend. Good morning. Excellent, excellent. So yesterday, it was the end of a tough week for, for the Rovers. Um, it was a one-all draw against Airdrie at home. Um, Callum Smith scored in the first half, and then they responded in the second with uh, Nikolai Todorov, uh, header from a corner. Um, so just to start, We'll go to yourself, John. I think there'd been a lot made uh, before the game in terms of our injury problems, and sort of we did expect that there wasn't going to be any changes. So when when you saw the lineup, what were your thoughts? I just thought it would be the the team that that took the field. Um, I think um, we've been on such a good run, and we've been winning games. Um, if you'd said to me we had Dunfermline home. Morton away, Airdrie at home, and I'll offer you two wins and a draw. You would have bitten their hand off with that, wouldn't you? Um, so, in, in on reflection, it's not the worst result in the world. Um, um, I thought we were... For me, it was a kind of nothing game in some ways. I think it was two teams that kind of had the measure of each other and... Uh, um, we we didn't look like we were ever going to get a, a second goal until Sam Stanton did his mazy run and laid it off. And then, unfortunately, Dylan couldn't finish it. But a draw was not the worst result in the world. Bad when you look at the fact that we may have caught more points up on Dundee United, but as supporters, we're always going to be greedy like that, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. And I think, just to, to turn to you, Blair, obviously, um, it's been mentioned there by John that you, you take seven points out of nine from a week's worth of fixtures, including a derby, um, a game away to Morton, which is a notoriously tricky place to go. I know that they're not having the best of seasons, but it's not exactly the easiest. And then Airdrie, who've already beaten us this season. Do you think that's a... Would, how would you rate this week? Yeah, I agree with what John said. I think at the beginning of the, the week, if, if he'd been offered seven points, you'd have bitten the hand off. Um, and actually, the way we got the seven points as well, I mean, you've got a 93rd-minute winner against that lot along the road, and you've got um, a really solid kind of gritty, digging-in kind of performance on Tuesday night. 
um, and then obviously a home game against um, against Airdrie. Like obviously you want to win your home games, but we're also not losing the home game, which is yeah. as important as anything else. Um, I thought the atmosphere was really flat yesterday um, in the ground. The, the game never really, as much as there was, it was actually quite a decent game in points, I think, but um, I don't think you can underestimate the three games in eight days with 15 players being used like across the across the three games. That's a lot to ask of any squad. Do you know what I mean? And they've they've done really well. Yeah, I think that's, I'd, I'd fully agree with that. I think that it's very reminiscent almost of like, there was spells last season where we had two players on the bench and we were, were sort of in a difficult position there. This year, we've got a few more youths on the bench. We've obviously got Callum there. We've got uh, Adam Masson as well. It was good to see Robbie Thompson back, um, that he's now back for, for selection there. But I would agree that the atmosphere was quite flat. And I think it's when you come off the back of that derby game against Dunfermline, you've always got that difficulty in that fans are going to be a bit less up for it. Um, and as well, the Airdrie, Airdrie style, I do think that they without demeaning them, because I can understand why they did it, there was a degree where they were winding up our fans um, and sort of taking their time with things, just not rushing it, which is understandable. They don't need to be in a position where they've got to be the ones to rush it. So, yeah. Um, Scott, to turn to yourself from your perspective, what were your thoughts uh, just over the, the game in general? Uh, I just thought it was... Uh, I mean, to be fair, I thought actually for... 75% of the game, I thought it was actually a really good game of football, and both teams w- were trying to play kind of similar in the way of a high press, but also when they've got the ball, these sort of just touch and go one-twos that they're doing, like both teams, the only thing I would say about ERG was that they were actually doing it almost kind of what we were doing whenever we were playing poorly under McGlynn, trying to just do it at all costs, never mind right, it's no on, let's try and go long this time, it was just there was, I think, what, twice at least in the first half that we caught them out, and that's what they did to us in the first game, was press us high, but then we managed to press them high, get, in, get the block on, and that's how Stanton got his chance, and then we had, obviously, that penalty shout with Louis Vaughan, which, again, came from them passing it straight to us, but, I mean, you could probably give credit also to guys like Sean Byrne and uh, Stanton for pushing higher than they normally would be, so that they're not. It's not just Lewis Wallen and Callum Swift trying to mark four guys, but um, no. Overall, I thought I, I kind of echo what the guys are saying in terms of it's a lot of, to be asking guys to go nine points out of nine when we're not even filling our bench just now. I know it's a bit like last year, not filling the bench, but we've got what six, five, six first teamers out, so it's yeah. a tough ask, but. Uh, I echo, as I say, that seven points out of nine, I would have bitten your hand off for it last week. And that it was uh, three of the points were obviously against Dunfermline. But no, overall, a points, I say it every time, a point's never a bad result in this league. And I can see Leslie itching to come in there. What are your thoughts, Leslie? I mean, there's not much I can add. I think you take that game, and in some ways it was similar to the first Airdrie game. You run that simulation a hundred times, 33 times we win, 33 times Airdrie would go in and win that, 33 times it's a draw, and maybe one time the match is abandoned due to Godzilla coming out to the sea and rampaging up Link Street. So you really don't, you can't you can't have any complaints about the result. It, it could have gone our way, it could have gone Airdrie's way. Um, 
it is worth just remembering we are running on fumes. We've got effectively 12 outfield players, one of whom in Dylan Easton perhaps isn't fully fit, and we've got a couple of teenagers as well on the bench. There's not That's an awful lot to ask out of a very small pool of players to go three times in the space of a week. I think they've done a magnificent job. I'm just glad we've got a week now to rest and recover before we go to Hamden. Yeah, I think that's uh, that was sort of the for the most part it was a consensus. I get that fans will have different viewpoints, but we'll come into sort of the expectations um, a bit later on in the podcast. So you mentioned there, Scott. Um, there was a shout for a penalty. I felt looking from the angle that I saw it in the south stand that I, I was initially thinking it's a stonewaller. Now you you've got the the benefit of the the added replays of Rave TV. Do you think that my assessment was maybe a bit too first-hand and sort of not seen it? Do you think he maybe went down a bit easily? Or, or where did you sort of see the, the penalty shot? Uh, I definitely don't think it was a stonewaller. Uh, it was... I, I can see why... I mean, I didn't expect it to be given. I wasn't shouting for it in my apartment while I was watching it, but... It, I've seen them given and I've I've seen them not given. So it was kind of, it'll be good if it is given, but then when he was taking longer and longer, but he, he kind of did think about it for a while. So it was just one of these ones, some refs will give it and some refs don't. But uh, I don't think like we could feel absolutely hard done by that we didn't get it. But it was, I, I just thought it was just one of these ones that was kind of 50-50. The, the boys just barged into him to try and kind of put him off his stride. And to be fair, if he doesn't do that, Vaughn's through pretty much on goal. So he's just done enough to not give it as a fill. But uh, on another day, we might have got it. So I think I think by your own words there, Scott, it should have been a penalty. I agree. I agree. Do you know something? It was one of the things at the time I thought, well, I didn't look at But when I watched it on the... When I watched it on the highlights, it was a deliberate attempt to knock him down. So for me, it was a penalty all day long. I always go by the, if that was 10 yards further out, he'd have given it. Do you know what I mean? If that was for a free kick, I think the referee would have given that all day. Um, Personally, I think the ref bottled it. I think he he saw it as one of those, as Scott says, one of those that you can give, you can not give. Um, The ref had a, a decent enough game, but there was a couple of times where I thought, he took the easy options. There was the one where he, he gave the sort of dubious corner to us in the second yeah. half, and he was itching to blow his whistle. Like, the second the corner was taken, he was given that free kick. Yeah. You know I mean? So I, I think he took the easier of the two options. I think it probably would have been scrutinised a bit more. But I agree with John. I think he, he, it was pretty clever defending in the sense that he got away with it, but he stepped across him. Like, he deliberately blocked off his run. Yeah. So for me, I we we are never going to be objectively unbiased with regards to uh, sort of rovers as a, a rovers podcast, but there was also the shout for Airdrie as well. That they uh, they had one that they seemed pretty adamant about up the the, the far end. Um, about I don't know whether it was a handball, but uh, the one uh, that hit Josh Mullins backside. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, it's one of those ones where when I saw it back on race TV, I was thinking. Mm, Scott's probably right with the, the sort of can see them given, can see it not being given. But yeah, I think it's a fair point to make, Blair, that it's one of those ones where you see it outside the box and it's it's a free kick all day long, but as soon as it goes inside the box, it becomes a very grey area 
um, which can be quite frustrating. And particularly, again, if we're speaking about frustrations, goalkeepers being overprotected at corners and things like that, we see it time and time again. And yesterday was a, a good point to make, uh, a case in point for that. So, yeah. So we go in at half time. Um, we'll speak a bit about the goal because, frankly, it was just an outrageous bit of uh, trickery from Aidan Connolly. So, Leslie, um, what were your thoughts regarding the goal? Quite honest, I think we were lucky to get the goal before half time. So, in the run up to that, I think it's fair to say Airdrie probably were on the ascendancy and had the run of things. And I was about to pop something into the group chat on WhatsApp saying, I think it'll be good if we get in 0 0 at half time and it'll give us a chance to sort of reset and go again in the second half. And then as I'm doing that, I'll look up from my phone and see this, this wonderful scene unfolding before me of Callum Smith appearing in front of Josh Ray. The other thing I should say as well is not long before this, I'd nearly put something else into the group chat saying between Dubrovsky, Ray and the two Queen's Park goalkeepers, the standard of goalkeeping from young goalies in the Championship is excellent. And what happens then next? Callum Smith comes through, fires a lovely shot in, and Josh Ray stands there like he's waiting for the 976 from Airdrie into Glasgow City Centre. So I think we were fortunate to get the goal. Smith keeps a very cool head. I do think the keeper could have done better, though. Mm. Yeah, um, I think that Connolly's part in the goal, just that's the sort of thing that you want to see. Just the, the little very tricky type that we expect from Aidan Connolly. I mean, it's just par for the course for him, isn't it, John? It is. Um, he's, uh, it's good to see him back. Uh, obviously, I was as surprised as everybody that he got two-headed goals the, the other night and he came in with a uh, you know, his aerial threat really put the, the shitters up there the fence yesterday because there was, there was one that he went in and challenged a defender and a goalkeeper, and I think he was about three foot shorter than both of them. Um, and, you know, it, it did take a wee hook away for a defender close to the line to get it away. But, um, no, that's that's what you expect from Aidan. You know, you expect that wee bit of magic where... He's, his vision, his ability to to do the wee step over and let it run through to to uh, Callum Smith was great. And I agree with I agree with everybody what we said earlier about the goalkeeper did look a wee bit suspect. Um, um, but it was a, a good enough goal, as Leslie said, maybe a wee bit against the run of play at that time, but it was a welcome just at the right time. I, think I was going to just add in, in there. I, I agree. I think the goalkeeper could have done better. Um, I do think he was kind of sold short a little bit by the defence. The dummy kind of put Callum Smith through, and the goalie's he's not in a great position at that point to to do anything. He's kind of in no man's land. He can't come out and and shut him down. He can't backtrack and and kind of go back to his line. And he does play quite kind of off his line anyway. I think that's probably the 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 bit that puts the nail in the coffin for him. Um, but just a special mention to Reese McCabe, a, a man who I've got to be honest, I thoroughly dislike. Um, I always think he comes across as incredibly arrogant anytime you see him in an interview or whatever. Um, so he's the man that's tracking Smith, and he stops because he thinks Connolly's going to touch the ball. Like he completely buys the dummy, and as much as the defender that Connolly's with buys the dummy, 
it's actually the McCabe getting sold on it that puts Smith through because it gives Smith that yard um, of, of time, effectively, um, to front up the goalie. And the goalie obviously thinks he's going to go sort of to his bottom left. Eh, sorry, his bottom right, Callum Smith's bottom left. Um, and he just kind of hooks it over the top of him. Um, but to see Reese McCabe afterwards remonstrating with the goalie like it was entirely his fault, I thought was, yeah, I thought it was quite comical, to be fair. Yeah, he's got a bit of track record for that as well because there was that game where they got absolutely done up at Arbroath and yes. he just gave up on the halfway line and you're he's watching walking. it and you're thinking, that's really, really bizarre behaviour from a defender. He just starts walking back. It's like, he's like, oh, well, the game's done now. Um, and then you realise he's manager. Ah, but, ah. but is that maybe not one of his problems? He's not really a defender, is he? He's a midfielder playing in a defender's role. And I, I have to, for full disclosure... I had a conversation with Reese McCabe yesterday, and I found him a thoroughly nice chap. You seem to do that, John. You 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 had uh, Dick Campbell in for reminiscing uh, Rovers during yeah. the week, right after I called him a fanny on here. So uh, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm not changing my opinion. I've never met him, and I'd probably bottle I've, it if I did. <laughs> I have to say, I've called him worse than a fanny in the past, but another thoroughly nice chap that came along and. And and was very good and comical and and he did want to point out that he's never been a Dunfermline fan, never been a Dunfermline fan. He's very proud of being a Cowdenbeath fan. So he's only marginally better, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> he's he's of the Donald Finlay school, exceptionally staunch. Um, from from what I've seen. So I think we'd be uh it wouldn't be doing justice without giving an honour we'll mention to our man. Um, and Blair knows exactly what's coming. Big Kev. Um, so I'm going to turn to Leslie for this one, to go back to you, Leslie. Um, save at the at the North Stand end. Um, just what did you make of that? It's to be probably the, the save of the season we've seen from him so far. As soon as the ball left the Airdrie boys' boot, I thought, right, that's it. That's in 1-0. Um Somehow gets a gets a, a, a glove tit, tips it onto the post, and and it's away. It's a magnificent save. And, and one thing I was thinking during the week, and this is not to do disrespect to any of the keepers that we've had in the past. Both Davy McGovern and Jamie McDonald were great keepers, but they weren't the biggest guys. And Kev is giant, and just for things like that, that extra stretch, that extra reach, the magnificent saves that come off from it, I mean, it just shows what he brings to us. I mean. You know he's 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 had a bit of he had a bit of a wobbly start, but he's he's really coming one of the best keepers in the division. I think that is the finest save that we've seen from him all season. Full stretch, tipping it onto the post, keeping us in the game. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Scott next actually because you've got the again to go to the Rafe TV angle. Um, Sound like I'm VAR or something here. Yeah, you probably do a better job than they are. Um, <laughs> Josh Ray had a, a really sort of spectacular save in the second half. So to compare those two, which one do you think was better? I think purely down to the... I think that how quickly McCabe hit it, I would go with just Dubrovsky. There was at one point, it wasn't until I seen the highlight of uh, Connolly's shot for Ray's save that I actually thought it was a bit of a TV save the one that Ray had made and tipped mm. it over. But when you see it from the camera actually looking from behind the goal, it's actually a, a very good save as well. I mean, it, 
to be honest, they were both brilliant saves, but I, I, I yeah, I'm going with with Kev. It was just how hard that McCabe had hit it, and McCabe was not quite celebrating, but he was ready to run away and celebrate because he thought, oh, couldn't they hit this any better? And as uh, as Leslie said, that just the fact he's managed to get that extra height and use it to tip it onto the post, whereas like last season, although he was a great keeper, Jamie McDonald isn't saving that. Like that, that's what we're getting is a younger, more athletic guy that can get about his goals. And so I think with that, that's what you're going to get is more sort of dive and saves like this. So no, I would I would say that Big Kev probably just edges that. Anyone got any other superlatives to add to, to Big Kev? Because I feel like we we cover this topic quite regularly, and it's just um, I think we're probably running out of them at the moment. Yeah. Well, been brilliant. I'm all aboard. All aboard the Dabrowski train. Oh, although, although, yes. he did have a wee moment. Uh, <laughs> but, in his defence, again, and I'm going to say this because it's the same as Tuesday night, because he had a couple of moments on Tuesday night. I spoke about it um, through the week. He did have a wobble. He, he hit the ball against the boy, headed it past him, but he dealt with it and picked himself up. He never looked shaken by it, which I think is actually... It's actually really reassuring because the way he plays, you're going to get moments. You you just are. It's, it's like you say, he's, he's young, he's athletic, he moves a lot. You're going to get those moments. But the way that he picks himself up and dusts himself down and gets on with it, like I, I like I I've said many times on this podcast, I was worried about him at the beginning of the season. He was very different to what we had before. I'm I'm sold. I'm all the way in. Like he's yeah, Kev pilled. That's it. <laughs> And I so, say, well, yep. Robbie, yeah, as as Blair says, in in the early days, he would have let a situation like that dwell. He would have dwelt on it, and uh, it, it would have caused him a bit of, you know, the next time it would have happened, he would have been in two minds what to do. But he looks more decisive now, and that that's something they've obviously been working on, and um, it's very good to see. No. Just to say as well, or the last, just to keep the big, the big cave hype train going. We didn't get it yesterday, but how many times this season have we seen him make a save right at the very end to either keep us a win or keep us points? Okay, sometimes they're quite perfunctory saves. It's maybe a six out of ten header straight at him, but like Partick, I've just written down here, Inverness, Ayr, Dunfermline, off the top of my head, that's four yeah. games. Right at the end, you know, he's kept his cool and he's made a save that's either got us the win or, or kept us a draw. Yeah, yeah, even against um, yeah the Inverness one in particular stands out because that was a free header at the back of post, and uh, they've lost the man, and then he just managed to get right down to it. And I know that it was a, a sort of talking point on the last podcast that he does for a big guy, he gets down very very well uh, early to sort of save things. Hard game last week as well, to be yep. fair. The death after the corner, the one that comes in, but yep. even just it's the, I love the way he does it, the way he falls on the ball as if to say, "Don't worry about it, guys, I've got yeah. this." David McGurn used to be great for that. You would see David McGurn go down in stages if it was like a 90th minute and we won the win against like a Premier League side. I think you'd see him and he'd grab the ball, he'd go down to his knees and he'd take like about a second and then he'd fall down flat on the ball and you just see him looking about. And yeah, he used to always laugh about David McGurn had this amazing fast run, slow run. Oh, so, I was about to say that. And he'd do this thing where he's he's you know, the arms are pumping and the legs are moving and he's literally going slower than walking. Like, he's just... Oh, I love David McGum. 
Yeah, I, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll take a little bit of a tangent here for a wee break before we go into the second half. But David McGurn's just one of those iconic players that you, we, we, when we brought him in from Morton, I think you knew, like the Morton fans were a bit like, it's a bit confusing that we've, we've let him go because he was a good keeper. But we've got Mavers who seems to be getting sort of more regular game time. And just the saves that guy made were just absolutely incredible. Um, and I'm sure everyone's got their favourite McGurn moments, uh, whether it's the, the triple save against Ayr, whether it's Dunfermline away when we were uh, Castle and Ovo uh, scoring. Even though one of my favourite ones was actually, it was uh, against East Fife, where um, it was a New Year derby, the one with Willie Gray, um, giving it big licks, and then we won through Mark Ferry's header. Now, it was something like the ball broke through and Bobby Lynn was offside. But McGurn actually saves it, and in his save, using his hands, he nutmegged Bobby Lynn by saving it through his legs. And you're just, and then they missed it after, and then it got flagged as offside. But you're thinking, how is that physically possible? It's just one of those ones. But you just kind of got used to that standard of goalkeeping. And I think as Rovers fans, we've been very blessed over the last sort of 10, 15 years to have those characters. Other than that Barry Smith season. Um, <laughs> Where uh, we had that a bit of a nightmare, but generally speaking, we've had really good goalkeepers. So yeah, anyone got anything to add about uh, Big it's Dave? Worth mentioning as well, another goalkeeper who was an amazing shot stopper and couldn't kick. His kicking was rotten, but mm. loved him. I would take David McGurn and any football team ever, like yeah. best goalie I've ever seen. Loved him. I would I would say that he turned time wasting into an art form. He you know, he's just outstanding at it. You know, as you say, uh, the ball would come back. There was a nice easy one. He'd grab it and down he'd go. And then he'd, he'd, he'd be there and he'd look behind himself a couple of times. And then he'd think, well, oh, maybe get up now, you know, and, and a class act, class guy, brilliant. Fantastic. Right, so we'll go on to the second half now, back to reality. Um, so, Airdrie had a bit of pressure they they managed to get a corner um, in which they get the, the equaliser which was Nikolai Todorov managed to get ahead of Ewan Murray uh, which was quite a surprising thing to say um, where obviously we're talking about our meatheads um, in defence and as Ewan Murray's branded himself um, Ewan Murray's obviously done really well this season but I, just with that it's another set piece and a bit of frustration I think from our fans so we'll turn to you Scott first um, what were your thoughts regarding it? Uh, I mean, am I surprised we conceded for a set-piece? No. <laughs> it seems to be our worst attribute, uh, to be fair, that we... And again, it was, I think, just inside that 10-minute period after half-time as well. So it kind of... It's something that sums us up, to be fair, the last... Basically, since Ian Murray's taken over, it's something that summed us up that for a guy that was a, a defender... Can he organise a box for some reason when it comes to uh, set pieces? But um, on this occasion, I'm not going to have a go at Big Kev because he was completely pinned to his line brilliantly by, I must say, by the energy players. It was at least three of them had pinned him to the line and he had no way of getting to that ball to even try and punch it. So there was, I seen some people go, oh, he could have got, I was like, he had to go through two hour players plus the three energy boys to even get close to it. So there was no way of him getting to it. But as you say, it was surprising to see uh, Murray getting beaten. But at the same time, Todorov's still even got a height advantage over Murray by at least a couple of inches. So um, 
No, it was disappointing, but as I say, I'm I'm hardly surprised these days when we do concede for set piece. So to to move it on to yourself, Blair, do you think that it's a bit sort of maybe harsh given that it's sort of symptomatic that we've got these injuries um with lads like Corr and Watson both out? Um do you think that the situation would maybe be a bit different if we've got those available? Yeah, I think so. Um, I was actually thinking much the same as, as Scott was going through there. He's right. We, we do concede a lot from set pieces at the moment. And there's a little bit of me that's kind of OK with that because it, it also means that teams aren't able to play through us. They're not breaking us down. You know, it's taking set pieces for us to actually concede, which is reassuring in a way, but worrying in, a, in another. But I think you're right. The 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 thing with Scott Brown, and, and it has to be said, he does a great job. Like you've You've got to give him so much credit for what he does when he's playing at centre-half, which is not his position. But he is not a centre-half. And I think that's the big thing. Um, and when you look at us at a corner, um, ordinarily, if everybody's fit, we would have Jack Hamilton in there, who's good in the air and is big. You would have Watson in there, who's good in the air and is big. Do you know what I mean? You've got all this kind of thing, plus you throw into that. I mean, Ewan Murray, right? I mean, he gets beat for the header by Todorov. But Ewan Murray, this week, has... Honestly, it's like watching WWF in the 90s. It's like watching the Bushwhackers. He, he throws himself in front of something. He gets battered. He dusts himself down. He gets himself back up and he gets going again. How he's done that for, I mean, what is it, 270 minutes plus stoppages this week yeah. is unbelievable. And the fact that the the one goal we've conceded like that has come from him getting beaten in the air by somebody who's taller than him, who's actually quite a big physical striker, I'm kind of looking at that and going, do you know what? Chalk it up to shit happens. Like, yeah. um, it, it was a good header. It was a good corner. As Scott says, it was really well worked from the early players. But yeah, it, it's just one of those at the moment. Until we get bodies back in, we are vulnerable at crossballs. Like, there's just no way around that. Yeah. So, to go to you, Leslie, do you think it's one of those ones where, where you do just need to give a bit of credit to Airdrie just for, for how well they've managed that set-piece routine? Obviously, Blair's mentioned about sort of having um, Dubrovsky pinned to the line by a few bodies. So what was your perspective? So um, so last three goals we've conceded have been effectively identical. They've been corners from our left that have come in and have ended up in the net. Of those three, I would say the Morton one was the only one I was annoyed with, just because it came so soon after half time. I think yesterday you just have to say fair play. You know, Todorov gets something like Blair says. You know, you look at everything else you and Murray's done in the last seven days, and you just say fair enough. Again, Dundee United one, okay, it happens. You know, Louis Moult, very very good striker. You can't really complain. I did everybody a wee bit of number crunching. So we've conceded eleven goals in the league this season. Eight of those have been from balls into the box. Seven have been from balls into the box from the right, and four of those have been from corners from the right. So there's a very clear pattern as to where the goals we're conceding is coming from. Again, though, I think it was Duncan had put this in our in our chat yesterday. A lot of that does there is a, a correlation between when not just Watson but also Jack Hamilton are not available and when these are happening, and it's, the, the, the lack of height, the lack of bodies. This is inevitably going to happen, but I think saying that I don't want to sell short the hard work the guys have done. As I say, we, we've had you know, effectively twelve outfield players for the last seven days. These things are going to happen. You know, it is it is an area of concern, but I'm not as annoyed about it as I was when we did it sixteen times last season from the right. 
yeah, that's I think that's a, a fair assessment to make. Um, so yeah, just uh, to to go to yourself, um, John. Obviously, we see we see Todorov getting the goal. Uh, and after the goal goes in, what was your sort of thoughts? Did you think that it was going to be backs to the wall, or did you you always sort of have faith that we would we were still very much in the game? No, my initial thoughts were I hate Todorov. That's what my initial <laughs> thoughts were. Um, you know, he's a man that cheated the uh, Davo, but Davo was an easy an easy person to cheat. No, <laughs> sorry. Where <laughs> uh, where's point or uh, Jack? I, I never really thought about the Jack Hamilton thing. I, I knew that from corners that um, missing Keith Watson was a thing. But if you have Jack Jack Hamilton at the front post or slightly in front of the post, the cross maybe doesn't reach that area, and that's something I never really thought about. But after that, I thought, all right, let's just get back on again, get the ball moving. I think that's when we brought Dylan Easton on. And we've said before, once Dylan Easton comes on, especially late in a game like that, their defence and their, their players in general are thinking, what am I going to have to do? put up with him now, you know? Um, so we got down and we started moving it about again quite well. Um, and then, did I think we were ever going to score? I thought there was a wee thing of, there was a, a bit where the balls were getting knocked about in that. And when they were coming in, the guys in the middle, whether it was Connolly or Vaughan, I was saying in my head, take a wee bit of responsibility, guys. You know, you didn't you just pass it off looking for someone else. Have a wee pop, you know. But that didn't seem to come until uh, Stanton went on his mazy run. I saw Christina in the, the main stand. Uh, thrown herself to the deck as it didn't quite happen for him. But, you know, it, it was just going to be one of these afternoons. Yeah, what was interesting for me was that we we changed it up by bringing Adam Masson on um, and McGill on, and that yeah. allowed for us to shift Scott Brown up into midfield. And straight away you saw him coming deep to pick up the ball and turning and running with it. Um, we had a couple of chances to sort of end the game, and so did Airdrie. I think either team could have realistically said that they could have gone on to take the three points. Um, aside from Connolly, um, you've already touched on there that Dylan Easton had that at the end of uh, Sam Stanton's mazy run, um, where you sort of feel it's just not quite at the right angle for him to get it away from his foot um, into sort of the corner of the goal. He kind of just puts it directly at the keeper. And I think as, as fans, we, you see that, and I think it's very easy to judge that. But when you're in the players, I don't think anyone appreciates how hard that shot is to actually get off um, unless you're in that position. Um, so, yeah, the game ends in a one-all draw. Airdrie have a late chance. Sort of Callum Gallagher just can't get his feet under the uh, under the ball and puts it wide at the post, and that pretty much sees out the game. So we take, obviously, those seven points from the nine. Um, and... Just to, to go into it, how much uh, credit do you think we've got to give Airdrie? I'm just going to put this out to everyone. How much credit do you think we've got to give Airdrie? Because they're one side that we've seen. For me, I think they're probably one of the best sides that we've seen um, over the, the sort of two games so far compared to everyone else that I've watched. Just seem to go about their football. So how much credit do you think we've got to give them? Yeah, I'll come in. I think a bit. Yeah, I think they are. Them and Queen's Park are probably the two best sides we've seen it. Certainly at Starks anyway. Um, I think... 
just to pick up a wee bit on before we, we kind of give Airdrie too much plaudits because it doesn't sit comfortably with me, to be yeah. honest. Um, you, you mentioned the substitutions. I think Ian Murray deserves a lot of credit for working with what he's got. Like, he didn't have it. You're looking at it and you're going, right, so he's brought on Easton, which is the obvious sub. Taking off Mullen was the obvious sub. He had a bit of a quiet afternoon. He hadn't had his best day. And you're thinking, right, so what next? Like, what do you do? You've got McGill. How does McGill push you on? How does McGill win you the game? And you're thinking, actually, it, McGill's not that player. He's, he's a player who'll come in and work hard. But to to bring on Masson at the same time and push him forward, the only thing I would say, I would have kept Vaughn on. I'd have probably taken Smith off at that point. Um, Vaughn looked angry. And I like I like an angry Vaughn, like because mm-hmm. he's he's got a bit about him. Um, but yeah, I think Ian Murray deserves a lot of credit. Um, to go back to Airdrie, yeah, they play some really nice football. They you can definitely get at them. We talked about it through the week. I think we sat off them too much in the first game, and the first half an hour or so probably showed that. That as Scott picked up on at the beginning, we closed them down and we won the ball off them. Um, but yeah, they're a decent side. They they play some nice football. Um, and they've got an absolute jobber up front, which is always a pleasure to see in the, the championship. Anyone else got anything to add to that? And what were the, the sort of thoughts in general? Just on the substitutions as well, I think Blair makes a good point picking up on those. If you're trying to win a game, and again, I mean absolutely no disrespect to, to, to Marston or McGill when I say this, putting Scott McGill on, on, on the right kind of side of the attacking, the attacking bit of the midfield is not what you do. It's all we had to work with. And I do wonder as well, to an extent, if Murray had half an eye to next week and you're thinking, okay, Connolly's just come back from a fairly extensive spell on the sidelines. We've asked an awful lot of him in seven days. Vaughan as well ran himself to a standstill against Morton. And I did wonder if there was just a, a, a shred there of the management just thinking, look, I know you guys are angry. I know you think you can do the whole game. We're going to kind of overrule you here, and we realise that you're going to be needed next weekend. You know, again, Marston yeah. McGill came on, did a did an absolutely fine job, and helped us to to see the game out as well. No, I think that's um, I think it's a, a fair summary as we as we sort of said. Um, at full time, I think it was quite interesting. I was I took myself down, and I heard John Greer shouting down at me, "That you away already?" Um, but yeah. Um, took myself down to the front of the stand um, just so that I could make a, a swift exit at full time. What struck me, now, I, I called this out on Twitter. Um, I'm probably what people would term as a happy clapper. I'm a, a great believer that you should back players and back the back the management um, to the hilt. And I don't think that sort of negative vibe really does anyone any good. Um, so full time goes. And I don't know if anyone else caught this, but I noticed a few people booing. And for me, I straight away I'm screaming like perspective lads. Seven points out of nine, three games in a week. We've got lads out there like who are clearly not fully fit. We've got injured bodies on the pitch. Why are you booing? Like, it's it's. Do you think it's maybe a bit of a reality check for some people in terms of their expectations that they should maybe, or do you think it's just par for the course? What's what's your perspectives? I can see you shaking your head there, Blair. Yeah, I think there's too many folk that watch too much Champions League. If I'm being honest, too many folk that sit in the house and watch telly um, and come to a Rovers game on a Saturday. And I don't think it's unrealistic expectations because we're winning games. I think these are the guys that sarcastically jeer Kevin Dubrovsky after he makes the mistake at Queen's Park. Yeah. 
Um, they're the guys who absolutely lose their shit at Todorov going off and applauding us. I love that. Like, I'm, aye, I'm, aye. we've given him abuse for for seventy five minutes. That all he does is clap us going yeah. off. And, and it's, I think, it. if you look at it from Todorov's perspective as well, I think it's it's fair to do that. Um, totally. Yeah. So I know that totally. people might not agree with that, but yeah, it's um, I'm completely, completely. Yeah. Like the way, the way I look at it, our our attendances are up, which is great. Right, and if you said to me like yesterday, there was probably like two thousand eight hundred Rovers fans, something like that. And if you said to me we could have two thousand seven hundred coming through the door and not have that nonsense on a Saturday afternoon, I'd take it. To be yeah. totally honest with you, I, I genuinely think that if boys are coming in to boo a team that have done what they've just done in that last week, stay in the house. Can I can I just call out Robbie? Um, Robbie actually, as all the youngsters started moving down the front. Robbie joined in and moved down the front. That sure stopped me. I was raging. I was going to get on the pitch at full time. I thought I had. I heard uh, in my head. I had Jim Clark. Will that Robbie please get off the pitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's. Um, I think in general though, um, just. It's a tough one. It was a really strange atmosphere yesterday. I don't know what happened with the lads at the back, but it didn't seem that there was any sort of noise coming, which is, again, it's it's a tough one. You ask them to come along and then there's probably some, I don't know what's happened in terms of it for whether it's been because of the stewarding, whether things have been managed. Again, they shouldn't be bringing flares into the game. I'm all for flares at the game, to be honest, if I'm being completely transparent. I think that it should be something that we should be taking the approach that they do in Norway, where they, they have sort of like specific sections and training for it. Uh, but yeah, it just um, very flat in general, and then you get a lot of people who think that they know better than the players on the pitch. Now, bearing in mind, if you're a footballer, I was uh, there's a guy that sits along from me who actually I, he does um, works in one of the departments that, uh, at my work that I see. Um, just saying to the folk behind me, they're like, you don't go into a workplace and tell other people how to work, and yet I know that everyone's entitled to their opinions, which is fair enough, and it, probably people have played football to a degree. Very hard to get the perspective of a footballer. You go out, you play three games in a week, you train, you've got to get your nutrition right, you've got to get your sleeping right, you've got all this stuff that people don't factor in, or maybe they do factor in. But then when you see them making a skewed pass and you just hear howls of, oh, you're an idiot, or you should have done this, you should have done that. We've got no idea. Like, even me, I've got no idea of what it takes to get involved with that. I'm not daft about that. And I, to be honest, I've criticised players in the past and taken flack from players in the past who've sort of DM'd me after, like, you're a fucking idiot, you've got no idea. And they're well within their right to do that. Um, but if we were to look at it on the other side, what constructive criticism could we take of yesterday? So if there was sort of improvements to be made, what do you guys, where do you guys think that we could have done better? We probably, yet again... When it wasn't going our way at certain points in the first half, we're going long far too easily. And Davy Hancock actually was chatting to Davo about it quite a fair bit in the first half on the commentary was that when ERJ did it, it was more, it was a specific long ball that was going to a player. It wasn't just, oh, we're not getting this, let's get rid of it. Whereas for us, if it was Liam Dick or if it was Ross Mellon, whoever it was, it was more of a just a hit and hope up the line and you're kind of, again, if you've maybe got a Jack Hamilton up there with Smith or Vaughan, you've got more chance of the ball sticking. But when you've got Callum Smith and Lewis Vaughan, who are, what, five foot nine and five foot ten, 
the likelihoods they're not going to beat three centre halves because it well it looked like they were set up in a back three to begin with yesterday until the boy Hancock went off injured. But I I definitely think we need to try and think a better way, especially when Hamilton's not playing, at getting the ball up the park without just hitting hope sort of uh, balls. But that's just what I I took from it yesterday. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Uh, what about for yourself, Leslie? Was there anything that jumped out for you? I mean, it's it's hard to, to think of things that you could do better with the, the hand we've been dealt. The only thing I would maybe say, though, and we saw it in the last 10, 15 minutes, when we moved Stanton up, just having Stanton in that kind of 10 role, he brings so much. I mean, being able to, having him and Easton being able to connect um, just as a way of unpicking defences. So, I mean, the only thing I would maybe say with what we have, if the objective is to go out and win a game at all costs... Put Brown back in the middle, move Dick into centre, and then bring McGill potentially in at left back. I mean, that's the only change I can think you can make with what we have now. Okay, McGill's he's sometimes all right at left back. Sometimes you can see the the opposition will target him. But you, what you are then doing is you're then moving Brown into, into the centre. You're moving Stanton forward, but he can do all kinds of magnificent things. And you're maybe just giving yourself that little bit extra. But beyond that, it's, it's hard to ask too much more of the guys that we have. I think yesterday was maybe a game where he could have started Masson, actually, for yeah. much the same reason. They're not, I mean, Tuesday night was not a night for Adam Masson, because they're, Billies. we said, yeah, an absolute gang, I think you put it, which is which is fair. Um, and it's long balls all the time in, in on top of them, and they targeted Scott Brown. Is Adam Masson any worse in there than Scott Brown? Probably not. He's probably better, actually, in there than what, what Scott Brown will be, certainly as a centre-half. But I think yesterday, the way that Airdrie play potentially could have actually suited having Adam Masson in, because you're not going to have to deal with aerial bombardment to the same extent. Um, I, I do think it was when he made the subs, you could see, and it was late in the game, but you could see the energy that Brown brought in, which freed up Burn, which freed up Stanton, and it just it brought us forward. Um, I think that's a good shout, Leslie. The other thing is, uh, when you think about it, we're undefeated in nine games mm-hmm. with that with Scott Brown playing in the centre-back role yeah. and not having his energy that you've just spoken about in the in the midfield. Keith Watson's missed the last nine games, so just getting him further forward yesterday, Brown, was good to see, wasn't it? And as you say, he had that drive that he wanted to get things moving forward. And as, as you said as well, Leslie, it freed up Sam Stanton for the role that he's, he's best at, you know. No, I think it's um, it'll be interesting when we do get these lads back from injury and they're all itching to get back. You can tell like straight away just that, especially the longer term ones, I, I can imagine for, for Dylan Corr and Ross Matthews in particular, that they will just be desperate to play football um, when you're out for months on end. So when we get those players back, it will be good to see and very interesting to see how Murray actually handles that situation when you go from having a, a sort of dearth of players almost and not many options available to when are you going to make your changes and what are you going to utilise and, and where it's going to be available. So that obviously covers off um, the game quite nicely. Has anyone got any sort of further points that they want to add about it? Or? I just wanted to add, just before you cut off there, uh, what you were saying just at the end, when these guys are back, the last time that I can think of 
it happening was when we went to East End Park at the end of August, which was what third game of the season in. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how excited I was to see how good the bench was that day. Like we had Gullen on the bench, Vaughn was on the bench. Like th- the fact you left Vaughn out at a derby game was actually it baffled me at the time. But then I thought he's probably looking to win the battle first before he then goes right. I'll get my but and then he's got three. They had Eastern on the bench also that game that he's got three players straight away that could win a match for you. So if it's nil nil, sixty five minutes, the pass haven't they got three players anywhere near the level of that at that in that game? So. I think, uh, and also the stuff about Sam Stanton, the last time we played him in that sort of 10 role for any period of time, and it was together with Easton, was air away, and look how well we played in that first half. Yeah. If we can yeah. get, I would, I know it's we'll, we'll talk about midweek, but if we can get Easton and Stanton both there next Saturday starting, I would go with that. Then let's see how, on a big pitch as well at Hamden. Yeah, and it was, I think it's, interesting as well that you look at the social media reaction obviously i i mentioned before that there was a few few shouts at the end but for the majority of the folk there was the reaction of you have done so well this week it's been a stellar effort just a lot uh of players putting the body on the line and just going that extra mile Um so credit to murray and the squad for that um before we we move into the the big question i'm, I'm gonna ask you john just um got the Hall of Fame coming up. Um, so do you want to speak a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> what um, what should we expect uh, from the Hall of Fame? Well, we've got um, we've got two good speakers in, in Gary McAllister and John Barnes. Uh, we've, I've been working on getting a, a good um, selection of legends on the stage. So that's that's always a good thing. I've been speaking to John Potter about uh, who's going to be available to come along from the current squad because I think it's always been a, a good event for the, the guys to come along to. Um, I'm quite excited about Paquito coming over from from uh, the Canaries. He's coming over. He's coming over. I think he might be coming over early, so there's a chance we us playing against Hamilton on the on the Friday night that it's a chance of him to come along and see us playing against the team that we uh, sadly allowed him to go to in Hamilton Aki. So that should be good. But um, the inductees, uh, we've got a good range uh, now that we've announced uh, Grant Murray as the, as the fifth inductee. So that's good. We've got Tommy Hislop for the older boys like myself that remembers him when, when I was a young boy. Um, um then you've got um Jason Thompson who's well well worthy of his induction. Danny Lennon, who obviously was the top goal scorer in Europe for us ever. And I'm sure apart from when I used to play Sabutio, he's the he's the most goal scorer uh, the Rovers will ever have in Europe. Um so so that's good. Gordon Arthur, who was another a really good goalkeeper and a, a kind of unsung hero of that team. So it's it's going to be a very good night. Um, so hopefully everybody, um, I know Scott will be difficult for you to, to get along, but um, it should be good. Yeah. Um, so I know that 
we've had numerous inductees over the years that the Hall of Fame's been done. Is there anyone that sort of jumped out as you in particular that was sort of one that stood out that you were uh, very happy to see get in? Well, no, they, they've all been very well merited, but there's certain things that I'll, I'll always remember, you know, like Marvin Andrews, you know, uh, the man mountain that's Marvin crying, you know, when he got inducted. Uh, Tony Ruggi coming back from, well, I think he lived in Boston at the time, but came back and having the place all doing a prayer, you know. For, yeah, that's right. For, do you remember that, Blair? That I was, do, yeah. That, totally that, surreal. Where are we going here? Where are we going here? <laughs> but the other thing is, what I've got to explain to you, um, since I took over the role from the man that 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 was uh, Mr. Wraith Rovers Hall of Fame and Ali Gurley, you know, Ali was the, the driving force behind it. And there's a great piece being written by Alan Crow about Alan's, uh, about Ali's uh, contribution to the to the Hall of Fame, and it, it was just amazing. Um, he was a man that really drove it forward. But in the past, I've had to deal with uh, with families. Now, Ian Porterfield, uh, a legend at Wraith Rovers, but also a legend at Sunderland. Now, I didn't know until I got into speaking to his family, the complex, he'd been married three times, some of his children from his first uh, marriage didn't want to go if the children from the second marriage were going. His third wife, who was from Trinidad and Tobago, phoned me up and said, why didn't you tell me this was happening? And I felt like saying, I didn't even know you existed. <laughs> How was I going to tell you? You know, I read about this on the internet. I'm sure you did. That's good. We're getting the news. News out properly. Did the job. Aye, so it's there's all these complex things like that, but um, it has been surreal, you know, like over the years, like driving driving Harry Redknapp and Joe Jordan back to the Dakota where they were staying after the event, and I said to Harry Redknapp, I thought in my head I'm going, it'd be nice if I drove past Starts Park and you could see Starts Park, and I said to him. Would you like to go past Starts Park? And he said, fuck me, wee man. It's 10 to 1 in the morning. What would I want to look at a pitch black football ground for? You know, unbelievable. Aft, Harry Redknapp, eh? What can you do? Um, so we'll move on to the big question now. Um, so to go for this, we've selected the option of which player um, now that we've seen all the teams uh, other than Arbroath which player has most impressed you so far from the opposition this season so we'll go to you Leslie is there anyone that's jumped out as being a real standout for you so far yes, there is and unfortunately this person has been a king sized pain in the arse to us in previous seasons as well and that is wee Logan Chalmers from Ayr and I wish he would just bugger off out of the UK completely because I do not want Wraith Rovers to ever have to see that guy again doing wee flicks and tricks and overhead Rabonas and God knows whatever else he is an absolute nuisance I mean you know you can answer these questions differently and you know if we were saying do we want to sign him no 
because I think Dylan Easton's probably better. You know, we've got a lot of players that can play that position. We do not need any more tricky attacking midfielders, but my goodness, that guy is an absolute pain in the backside. Um, just a very, very talented player. Very, very tricky wee player who does exceptional things. He's like Dom Thomas, but without the arsehole complex. You know, um, a um, very, very talented footballer and one who just gets uh, right up your nose, gets into great positions, makes all kinds of great shots and things like that. As I say, I'd love to see him end up getting called up for Scotland because that would lead to a situation where he is not uh, playing for air against us. Just a really, really excellent footballer who, if I put my sensible hat on for a minute, has got hopefully a very bright future ahead of him. Just not against us, please. I think... Uh, Sorry. Um, that's a very good point there, but he's a guy that's out on loan all the time. You know, can he... Wow. Why is he not getting a game for Dundee United? Just Leslie, back to you. <laughs> That's a good question. And whether it's just Dundee United, whether it's just Jim Goodwin deciding that he wants guys with more experience or whatever to get him out of the division, I don't know. It but, may be that he's. It may be that this is his ceiling, but sometimes you never know. I mean, like we said, we used to say this about Lauren Shankland as well. You know, we used to say, "Oh, the championships his ceiling." Sometimes it maybe just needs a few seasons for somebody to get that confidence and then to just kick on. And that's what I think may be the case for Logan Chalmers. Like Craig Brayton in League One. I think. I, I think the the fact is that multiple Dundee United uh, managers have never seen him good enough to. To stay at the yeah, did he speak about Craig Whiten? Still about <laughs> my biggest bugbear. The, the fact that that wee bastard has only scored three goals for Hearts, and the hat trick came against the Rovers. How the, how the and fuck? the best bit though, John, the best bit is he absolutely rinsed Benny for them as well. <laughs> True. <laughs> Well, he was last seen uh, bowing down at the feet of Lewis Vaughan, so that's the, the only thing I really care about. Um, Scott, to turn to yourself, who's uh, who's your standout so far? Uh, Chalmers, to be fair, did come to my mind at the time. I mean, I've, I must say, uh, I've been pretty impressed with Kurt Broadfoot, how shit he's been this season. But uh, <laughs> no, I, in all seriousness, I was stuck between two. Uh, one of them actually came to us on loan, and it was cut short, was Kai Fotheringham at Dundee United. He seems to have had a bit of a breakout season this year, and He's, he's scoring goals, he's setting up goals, he's just involved in everything with that sort of front two, three, whether it's Tony Watt, Louis Moult, whoever. But uh, I think somebody that I would probably just edge over on, and it's somebody that at times I think he's quite, a, I can imagine he's probably quite a frustrating player to watch, but I can also see what he brings to a team is uh, Stevie Lawless at Partick. Yeah, yeah. He always seems to get at least double figure assists every season. And it's he just seems to find these little gaps and he's one of these players again, he's he's a bit like Connolly, he's tiny and almost he just seems to ghost into spaces and people don't pick him up and he gets a few goals himself as well. But I can imagine that Brian Graham loves a Stephen Lawless because he can just fire balls into his head every time and he just seems to find them. So uh, I, I would probably go with Lawless. Yeah, Lawless was one that sort of jumped out for me um, as being a potential candidate. You see him and he, he does appear to, to sort of seem to score quite a lot of goals um, from the wing and also getting those assists as well. So, Blair, um, how about for you? Who was uh, who was your sort of standout that you've seen out of that first 10 games or well, so? 
I've kind of tackled this in a, a slightly different way because obviously we we talked before about what the question was going to be and we were kind of torn between um, two and, and the way I've yeah the way I've kind of tackled it is looking at it as who I would actually want who who would I want to bring in um, because I think um, Leslie hits the nail on the head like we've got enough tens we've got enough attacking midfielders do you know what I mean and the league's actually full of them to be fair um, for me there was there was two that kind of stood out and they're both. Um, really quite young players um, but the the right back at Queen's Park uh, is Ben, is it Ben McPherson I think his name is um, he's just a, 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 he looks to me like a player that's going to kind of go somewhere, he's in a, a kind of an attacking full back um, who in, a, in an era where we don't have attacking full backs, um, I kind of think that's something that would add to our game, I actually spent a long time last night trying to figure out who could come in as an attacking left back and um, and I'm not going to mention the only person I could think of because of who he plays for. Um, but the the only other player um, that I've seen this season that I genuinely think I would love to have him in our squad um, is young Callan McKenna um, at Queen's Park. Just a, a talented boy that's going to go far. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been one of those seasons where I think a lot of the teams we've seen, the players that I've been impressed by are players I wouldn't want. Weirdly, they're the players I wouldn't have replaced what we've got with. Yeah. Um, but they were, they were two that kind of stood out for me a little bit. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because McKenna looks so talented, but I don't know if I'd have him over Dubrovsky no. um, based at the moment. But um, again, that's a question for another day. Um, John, who for you was uh, your sort of standout that you've seen so far? Well, I'm going to play the stubborn old man and be like, Blair, I'm not mentioning anybody. Um, there's nobody really that has stood out for me this season that we've played against. Maybe that's because I've got my blinkers on and I'm watching the Rovers, but um, the, I think the obvious one that, that you just said, a fullback that plays for a, a team of zebras that Don't might... Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. It's a place near Creef. <laughs> But I'm not saying that. Okay, so we'll just leave it there. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, for myself, uh, McKenna was one that jumped out. I, the one that I initially picked was actually Kerr McEnroy. Um, I think that he's a player that's always looked sort of very... He, he moved to Kilmarnock and he just never got a break there, which seems really strange because he'd done very, very well with Ayr and Airdrie before. Um, and he's gone... Uh, along to Partick and he just seems to put in these performances where he does show up every week and and, and um, adds a bit of quality into that midfield and Partick are just seem a very inconsistent team I know that they won yesterday they've got Brian Graham up top who's going to get them goals they've got Lawless and then they've got the likes of McEnroy as well that'll chip in um, but yeah he was, he was one that I thought when they signed him in the summer I was like We've got so many midfielders, but if we did need a midfielder, he would be a player that I would want us to sign. I don't think he would sign because he's a, a Pars fan. Um, but yeah, um, he oh. just looks a, a solid midfielder. Robbie, did he not play in the midfield that got stuffed 5-1 at Starts Park? Um, I'm not sure if he did. I think the he only... did with the boy Henderson. Ewan Henderson. To be fair, Ewan Murray played in that side as well, so... We've got to... Yeah. But, but he's a good meathead. Yeah. Very true. Very true. We've got to give you and Murray his credit there in his meatheadish ways uh, and how we love them. 
And so that'll round off today's episode. So I've just got to say thank you for listening and taking the time. Um, if you've not already, feel free to follow us on Twitter. That O N N N podcast. Um, I think I'm saying that right. Um, and as ever, like, subscribe, share with your friends um, and Rover supporters across the board. We'll be back next Thursday um, with a, a preview for our trip to Glasgow um, and looking ahead to that. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for your time and um, enjoy the rest of your weekend. So I'll leave it to the rest of the crew to say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers.